Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. What's up, you guys? Sean Ross Sapp here, managing editor of Fightful.com, FightfulWrestling.com, FightfulMMA.com. We have all of them there. Of course, we cover boxing as well. We have great resources like uh, interviews with James Lynch, talking to the biggest stars in the MMA world. We have the Fightful Boxing Newsletter that drops weekly. We have the Fightful Wrestling Weekly that has about a 1,000 words of exclusives in it every single week. Of course, we've broken a ton of stories, have a bunch of interviews. If you haven't given Fightful.com a try, head over there. Lots to talk about tonight. UFC St. Louis. I I think really, first off, I'm starting this show before the broadcast actually ends, so we can kind of talk about fights that didn't happen. Tiago Alves was supposed to be on this show, and he wasn't. And Vitor Belfort was supposed to be on this show, and he wasn't. And I think that this card... Definitely lost some of its luster as a result. Now, the show was still about six hours long. Like, that's after losing two fights, the show was six hours long. I'm not going to bore you with all the talk about how I think fight cards should be shorter, but damn, man. It's just, uh, it's this card was long enough. It was about 545, but Zach Cummings was supposed to fight Tiago Alves on the show, and two days before the fight, he injured himself after falling. Bout was canceled. Um, Mads Burnell missed weight by about four pounds. He ended up beating Santiago. We'll talk about that in a bit, but Uriah Hall did not weigh in. He fainted en route to weigh-ins and the retirement bout of Vitor Belfort was delayed. Now, you know, I've, I've been as much of a critic of Vitor Belfort as anybody else for some of the questionable things that he's done and said, like, as it pertains to substances and TRT and yada, yada, but I was very excited for this fight. I thought Uriah Hall was a good opponent. Uh, there were rumors that Vitor was going to be scheduled against 
against Michael Bisping. Michael Bisping has come out and said that that is not true. So really, his retirement fight is kind of up in the air. He could always fight at uh, 205 and fight in uh, Brazil. Like next month, I think it is. But um, it's it's a shame because he was supposed to fight on this show and he didn't get to. And it would have really, really added to this. Uh, if you're on the live chat right now, head over, uh, ask some questions. All that good stuff. Um, I'm going to run down the card, some of the notable. Well, I'm, I'm going to talk a little bit about each of the fights, but mainly the notables, what did happen, what didn't happen. Really hope that Vitor gets on a card very, very soon. And, uh, and yeah, it's, it's, it's just a bummer, man. It's just a bummer. Also, on the pro wrestling side, head over to Fightful.com. I had uh, have a couple of couple of news updates over there as well. Sorry, I'm getting the questions, things like that. That's why I'm uh, a little scatterbrained right now. The show started off, uh, Mads Brunel, Mike Santiago. Santiago's corner might have cost him this fight. Uh, he couldn't get up and was being told to elbow instead of scramble. And you know, I'm an advocate of elbows uh, when you're, you're defending takedowns, when you're on the ground and you're, you're trying to fend off the guard and stuff. But if you're getting smothered the way he did, you need to work your way up. Mads Brunel came in a little oversized for he gets his win bonus, but Santiago is getting twenty percent of uh, what he what he earned because he missed weight. Daniel Taylor and JJ Aldrich, man, Danielle Taylor is a frustrating fighter to watch in the UFC when you saw what she was capable of outside of it. It's like it, she she looked like she had all the potential in the world. A little undersized, sure, but she had to fight in this division to be in the UFC. She had that leg kick to right punch going. It's the thing that you see Dan Henderson do a lot in his career. But uh, she was getting really off balance after a, a couple of steps, and she would land the occasional right hand, but Aldrich would pull away and uh, really pull away in both regards, physically and and uh, metaphorically as it pertained to the fight. Taylor just hasn't improved a lot during her UFC run, and I don't think that she could stop Aldrich's rhythm. And that was that was really really tough for, her. and Danielle Taylor's going to run into this too because she's she's beaten some people that she she could just outmatch as far as speed and that that leg kick to straight that people just can't seem to figure. Well, uh, her last couple of opponents couldn't seem to figure out, but yeah, man, when you when you see a, a woman like that who has met success but hasn't necessarily evolved, this guy I won and. Uh, she needed to for all the excuses of her. She should have been like one and six in the UFC. I know there was the fight that was overturned due to a marijuana uh, test violation that was complete BS, but a lot of people had Kaufman winning that fight anyway. But here she is at 125. And this first round was just a ton of fun. Long leg lock battle. I'm going to have uh, some of my catch wrestling coaches break down that round and tell me kind of what was missed there, what was knowing what they did well, but it was very fun to watch. It was fantastic. They were just going at it. I kind of hoped that they, <laughs> they would just drop into a 50-50 as soon as the round two started and just continue it and see who won. Really technical striking and grappling at times, but it's more that she leaves her jaw out there and she gets exposed on occasion. Uh, Coentra Faria used both hands to fight off the, the rear naked choke, and that was a little curious to me because you've got to be able to protect your neck as well. Uh, Faria had to prevent herself from getting into the clinch at times and 
risk a takedown after what I showed her in the second round. This fight really could have gone either way, and she just I looked as excited as a woman her job. Um, she did. I think if she lost, she was gone. What was particularly curious was her post-fight her post-fight speech. That was really weird. She said, all you fighters, takedowns win fights. Nobody wants to see you punch. Uh, that is not how you do a post-fight interview. Because I, I can guarantee you guys, uh, fans do want to see you punch. I mean, there are going to be people who want to see you wrestle. Wrestle. Not all the time, but hey, whatever. Oh, Guido, Kennedy, and Kang. Oh, my gosh. So this was confusing. Kennedy's triangle defense was very, very curious. Sometimes when you slam your opponent while while uh, you're in a triangle, you'll lock yourself in it a little bit more. But Kennedy had Kang up against the cage and, like, gently sat Kang down and then got tapped out. And I'm like, in that situation, just go on and pick him up. Just go on and slam him down. Like, just make that effort. You can't punch somebody in the back of the head, but you can slam them in the back of their head. And that's what leads to the knockout, except for in the case of Rampage. I think it was the headbutt that led to the knockout. That was very curious. Kennedy cost himself the fight. I, I mean, he may have lost the fight anyway. Chance of the fight there as well. Uh, when somebody starts pulling guard, like in the first, second round, you know that they are pretty much out of the fight unless they are like Damian Maya or somebody like that. So that's what Toledo Bernardo did. And Irene Aldana was just way more technical, way more technical. I was happy that uh, no judges gave Bernardo round two based on control alone. Uh, Bernardo still had the tags on her fight kit, which I thought was kind of funny. But this is really all Aldana, and this is another, like like Jessica I. I don't think she was in danger of losing her job, but she came into the UFC with all this hype, and she had to live up to it at some point. And I thought she did tonight. I thought she looked exceptionally well, very good tonight, as good as she she's looked in the UFC. Reyes versus Frivola. Uh, that was a bad idea from Frivola. You can't go in there and just chuck and duck like that with Polo Reyes. What do you? You think that's a good game plan. Like, I don't care how confident you are in your hands, man. Like, some things are ill-advised, and that's one of them. Alex White versus James Krause. Alex White landed some uh, harder shots early on. Krause sometimes has trouble shifting into that next gear into a fight, and it's kind of like he's he's in a sparring match that whole time. And, and I say that because, I mean, I've seen it. I saw it, like, on, on the regional ranks, like how explosive he could be and creative he could be. It's just like he's always looking to not empty his gas tank, and sometimes you have to, but but it was close. Uh, White's defensive wrestling has improved so much. We saw Clay Collar just maul him a while back, uh, but still Krass is able to transition from one position to another with, with relative ease. seemed like he was in control here and there. Like I, I always kind of got the feeling that Krauss was up, but White wasn't making, e making it easy on him, and Krauss looked a mess after that fight in a row for him uh he got dropped in the third round stuff some shots but he let Krauss get to his hips a little bit too much so i think that's eventually what won it for Krauss in the eyes of the judges now on to the main card uh, again guys we'll talk more about this show on tuesday on the holy smokes mma podcast airs at 3 p.m eastern 
Chael Sonnen will be joining us this week. We got pros picks for UFC 220, Bellator 192. Also, Showdown Joe will be joining me on next weekend's uh, UFC 220 post show. James Lynch is out of uh, the country, well, out of his country for a wedding and won't be able to join us or else he would have been there covering the event live. Michael Johnson, Darren Elkins. Man, this is this was a puzzler right here. Michael Johnson dropped to 145. And the thing is about Michael Johnson is he is just such a disruptor in any division, wherever he fights. Like he'll do things like lose four out of five or five out of six in this case and still hang in there with a a, a top 10 or maybe beat them because after the way this first round was going, he was tagging Darren Elkins. Like he had a problem with that ugly ass tattoo on Elkins chest and he should, it's hideous, but he was tagging Elkins with relative ease. And we saw him do that to Habib Nurmagomedov, too. Like, he connected several times on Habib and may have put Habib in more trouble than we've seen him in in all the U- in his entire UFC career. That's what Michael Johnson is capable of. Michael Johnson is completely capable of beating guys like uh, Edson Barboza, uh, Melvin Gillard when Melvin Gillard was good, Clayson Tebow, Tony Ferguson, Joe Lozon, Dustin Poirier. But then, you know, he he just runs into people like he gets oh, – I wish I could explain it, man. I, I can't say that he's like the ultimate gatekeeper because he's necess- he's not really. He's a good fighter. He's a really good fighter. It's just, man, I haven't figured Michael Johnson out yet because I mentioned that streak. And I mentioned, you know, the, the, the aforementioned fights like Elkins and Habib. He was in both of those fights. He went to the scorecards with Dariush and Diaz, and the Diaz fight was a fight of the night. He destroyed, he beat Dustin Poirier with the quickness. His fight with Justin Gaethje was a, Gaethje was a fight of the night. Like he's not getting blown out of the water here per se. He's hanging in there. So like most guys, if they've lost lost five of six, I'd be saying maybe you need to do something else, especially if you've been finished three times in a row. Not Michael Johnson, man. And Darren Elkins, what a story that guy is. He'll be 34 this year. And I, I'm pretty sure it was after he lost to Hakron Diaz in at the end of 2014 that he considered retiring, and he took a lot of time off. He didn't fight from December 14 until October 15. And since then, he hasn't lost. He's won six in a row. He is one win away from tying the featherweight record for most wins in the UFC along with Max Holloway. And Max Holloway's the only person with a longer winning streak than him. Darren Elkins' uh, resilience and being able to withstand that that storm that Michael Johnson put him through in the first round and to tap him out, that, that's just great. Because as you'll hear about uh, with Kamaru Usman, like, Darren Elkins needed a finish, man. Darren Elkins had only had, like, in his UFC career, and which has lasted a very long time, like I said, this was his 13th win. He, this was only his third, fin- or I think third or fourth finish. And during this winning streak, he only had one other finish. You can't do that in that featherweight division. you got to make noise in order to, to get the big fights. But I think he will get a pretty big fight now. You, you have to. He's a top 10 guy who beat a top 10 lightweight guy. And, you know, I've said before, I don't necessarily think that that uh, Michael Johnson belongs in that UFC top 10 because he loses a lot of his fights. But 
I will, and I, I don't think he believes in, belongs in the top ten. But he has top ten talent still. Top, and he's only thirty one. I think he'll be thirty two this year. But it's a puzzle, man. And it's, as Ole Samuel Lee says, the only puzzle is the damage tattoo. Yeah, that's an ugly ass tattoo. Kamaru Usman defeated Emile Weber Mick. So Usman. Another guy that I thought needed a finish. He won. So five decisions in his last six fights, but he is on a seven-fight winning streak. He is doing fantastically. This was a big win for him. Just a dominant wrestling performance that he had here. And, like, Meek was making him pay for those takedown attempts by throwing elbows, and I Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Love that. I love using the elbows offensively and defense. Well, defensively, rather. I love using the elbows defensively, but making them your offense like that. Because if, you, if you're laying in the guard of somebody and you're low in the guard, you open yourself up to those elbows, to the top of the head, to the side of the head. Uh, if you are up higher in the guard, you don't necessarily have that because you don't have the separation. I think elbows these days are much more useful than than punches off of your back because it lets you create more distance. It lets you create more velocity because when you have all this extra here to to throw at somebody, you don't get that distance. You don't get that velocity and you don't get that the, – the violence that comes out of it. But those elbows, not only that, man, those will slice you up too that will – Leave your dome rocked. So I did like that. But this was all Kamaru Usman, man. Like, what can I say? It was it was an impressive wrestling performance outside of the, the first lazy takedown attempt that he almost had to pay for. Uh, it took him a while to work out of that guillotine. I don't think that it was locked on very tight. But you can't go in there against a, a UFC fighter and throw a, a lazy guillotine like that or a lazy double leg like that because you're going to get guillotined, and he almost did. After the fight, he cut a promo, and he said that he was the most dominant fighter and said that he was at 30%. And I'm thinking, bro, why are you saying you're at 30%? Like, did you leave your Bluetooth on? Is your charger at home? Why are you – why are you – like, give us an explanation. Were you hurt? Bad weight cut? Something happened personally? And, like, I don't know. Uh, I'm asked who I think Darren Elkin should fight next. I'll get to that in a moment. I think that Kamaru Usman 
probably fight Damian Maya. And I say that as opposed to a, a Santiago Ponzinibbio or a Darren Till because I don't know who gets Woodley next. It's I, I would imagine Covington or Dos Anjos. You could do Covington and Usman because they're both wrestlers and maybe that'll negate each other. But I like the idea of Maya more because he's a threat on the ground. Like in the Covington-Usman fight, whoever gets out-wrestled is probably just going to get out-wrestled that entire fight. But if it's Damian Maya, he's going to work and threaten submissions and things like that. Either that or Kamaru Usman's going to knock him out. Take his spot in the top five like he should. Going on that welterweight division with Ponzinibbio on a hot streak, Darren Teal on a hot streak. Uh, I think, you know, Masvidal turned down Usman. I think Usman probably beats him. I really do. Uh, Covington and Dos Anjos are both hot right now. So you got five guys there who with one like one more win could be contenders in that division and fight Tyron Woodley. Like that division just got cooking over the past year. It needed a little bit of a break. It needed <laughs> it needed the log jam of Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, I think. To say, and I didn't like it then, but now we got Dos Anjos, Covington. Paige Van Zant dropped another fight. Her first fight since 2016, late 2016, broke her hand or broke her arm rather in the first round. So she said, and her corner didn't stop the fight. What? Like I get it gritty and you want to, you want to give your person an opportunity to get their win bonus. But my God, man, if, if your fighter says I've broken my arm, you call for an end of the fight. That's it. It's over. No, they didn't. Uh, Paige Van Zant went for a hip throw. This garbage hip throw keeps popping up in women's MMA, and I hate it. I hate it, especially at these high levels of women's MMA. Top 10 fights like this. Uh, top 15 fights, rather. It was more of a headlock takeover than uh, than a hip throw because there was no hit to it. She, like... As, as they teach you the technique, you show your ass, essentially. And that's what it was. And when you do that, you, you run the risk of getting your back taken. And that's what happened to Paige Van Zandt. She had to fight that off for quite a while. Uh, she landed a takedown in the second round, but Jessica Rose Clark just took control and handled business there. Uh, I thought that Paige Van Zandt did exceptionally well in the third round for not throwing her right hand at all, keeping distance with strikes, things like that. But, man, the... She left her feet four times in the first minute on strike attempts from kicks, punches, everything, man. Like it was, it was so weird. Like I get it. You know, you're young, you're athletic, you have that, that ability, but come on. Vinny says, I'm sorry, but Paige Van Zandt has to be the most overhyped fighter in the UFC. I don't think they've hyped her like abilities or anything. They've hyped that she's a pretty marketable girl. And I thought that up until last year that she had a ton of potential. She just hasn't necessarily evolved. I will say that she adapted well in that third round. I thought that she adapted exceptionally well. But that wasn't to be. Jessica Rose Clark, it's a big win for her, too, because uh, she needed she needed to make an impression after after her debut. Like she, she got her debut, but then she did this turnaround really quickly, and she did. She made, I thought, a pretty good statement here. And this is from a woman who... At one point, like, God, she only won one of four fights, I think. But one of them was, like, <laughs> a fight that she won in Japan and was overturned because she missed weight. It was so stupid. 
it was against uh, Emiko Raika, but she she ran into some like she ran into Sarah Kaufman and stuff like that earlier last year. So she wasn't going to beat Sarah Kaufman. No no offense to her, but Paige Van Zant, hell of a win, hell of a win for uh, Jessica Rose Clark, and now she's stepped into this division. And she missed weight her first fight. She she didn't this time. She showed up on weight, looked great, and I'd, I'd imagine she'll be a person that the UFC looks to get on their Australia cards from now on. Uh, they could use some juice on the, the next one. Not that she has a lot of juice, but they just lost Robert Whitaker, which is a bummer. I didn't get to do a fight or an update video on that. But, yeah, Yoel Romero is going to fight Luke Rockhold for the interim UFC middleweight championship. I don't know why there's an interim title already. Robert Whitaker just got awarded the, the undisputed championship. Such a mess. I tried to explain to my wife the undisputed and interim middleweight championship situation recently, and she was like, that is so goddamn confusing. And it was. Main event. My God, Jeremy Stevens. I tweeted that he hasn't been the knockout artist the UFC paints him out to be, or he does. And I stand by that. He hasn't been. He, leading into the, coming into this night, he had had one knockout in the past four years, and he missed weight when he did it. But uh, he made up for that tonight. Do I think that he is as good as he's ranked? Maybe not. I'll have to take a look at the rankings. He's another one. He, he's almost like Michael Johnson territory where – he can lose a lot of fights in a row or a lot of fights in a very short amount of time, but he can always hang with these top fighters. That's always the thing about Jeremy Stevens. He can always hang with a lot of these top guys. And I didn't think the Gilbert Melendez win meant that much because what is Gilbert Melendez these days without USADA and after all the wars he's been through and all the cage miles and all that? Uh, I thought that Duho Choi looked really good early on. He was keeping his distance. He was getting out of the way of Steven strikes, but man, I, I don't think there was any way Stevens could have, I don't want to say kept that pace, but man, kept that output for five whole rounds. Jeremy Stevens was in there throwing to throw, like, like throwing to, to knock Duho Choi's head off. And eventually he did. And some of the ground and pound, the elbows and strikes that he landed on Duho Choi on the ground were just disgusting. Just disgusting. Pretty incredible. I thought um, that was the type of that was the type of uh, win that Jeremy Stevens needed to like because Gilbert Melendez it's a nice fancy win to have on your resume and stuff but and Duo Choi did lose to Cub Swanson so it was obvious that he couldn't hang with like Cub Swanson but it's been a while I mean Barral was two years ago but I mean he had that that Moicano and that Edgar law those two losses sandwiched right between. Baral Moicano, like when he gets those big wins, he always drops fights right after him. Like, look at the guys now that mean something. He beat Rafael Dos Anjos in 08, and then he turned around and he lost to Lozon and Tebow. He beat Darren Elkins in 2014. Then he loses to Swanson and Oliveira. He beat Bermudez, then he lost to Holloway. That's going to happen, my man. Beat Baral, lost to Edgar Moicano. Now, do I think this is one of those the situations? No, I don't. I don't put Duho Choi in any of those guys' categories necessarily. Probably even Elkins. I think Elkins probably take that takes down Duho Choi and beats him at this point. But 
Jeremy Stevens still getting it done, man. He is he's thirty one. He'll be thirty two this year. But the thing is, he's fought forty uh, something times that we know of. I always say that about these guys who were fighting before like two thousand five, two thousand six, because um, because it's just it, you don't know what has been counted, what hasn't been counted. Like it's just there there were a lot of fights <laughs> that may have uh, passed the Sherdog databases or the Tapologies or the mixed martial arts dot coms. He's hanging around in that division, and I got to say that's impressive because I've doubted him for a long time. I, you know, I thought maybe he he stood a pretty good chance against Melendez. I'm sure if somebody goes back to the preview, they'll find me saying otherwise. But looking back, uh, I I think that I thought that he stood a pretty good chance against Barrow too because I thought Barrow was overrated at that point. But I, I'm very impressed with his will his ability to put Duho Choi away despite it not working out in the first round. He didn't try to pace himself and slow himself down after that, after he didn't meet that success. And Duo Choi is, he's got to face his uh, mandatory military time for South Korea soon. Sucks. Uh, It's not going to be as long as Korean Zombie missed, though, and Korean Zombie's always getting hurt. And he missed a long time before he had to do his, his military service, and then, He's only fought once since then, so it's going to be a lot different because um, Korean Zombie was fighting July, but he got he pulled out with a knee injury and didn't work out. So Duho Choi also isn't at the place in his career where Korean Zombie was then. Korean Zombie came off of a title loss, so I mean he's he's in a main event, but it's not it doesn't necessarily have that steam behind it. Jimmy Smith signed with the UFC, uh, as C. Phoenix pointed out. That's a great signing. Now, here's my thing. If I'm the UFC, I maybe see if he wants to do some play-by-play. I thought the guy tonight did very well, a, a good step up from his previous performances. But when you've got you got Joe Rogan there, and then behind him you got Dominic Cruz there, and behind him you've got Daniel Cormier there, maybe may interchangeable in that regard. Behind him, you got Paul Felder there. Where does Jimmy Smith fit in? I don't know, but he is exceptional. He is awesome. Uh, I think that he he calls the action with a with a great sense of excitement, uh, great knowledge. He his appearance on the the Joe Rogan podcast recently is a must watch. And Joe Rogan had a hand in getting him hired, from what I understand. But I, you know, it's funny because I thought that Joe Rogan was a necessary voice for the UFC a few years ago because. I thought that two or three years ago, they didn't have any good color commentators to back him up. And Dominic Cruz has really evolved and become great. He doesn't have that sense of excitement that that Joe Rogan does, but Daniel Cormier does. I think that Daniel, Daniel Cormier is the successor to Joe Rogan. But Jimmy Smith ain't a bad one to have around. And, you know, there, there are always rumors when Joe Rogan's contract is coming up, like maybe maybe he'll he'll stop doing this. Maybe he'll just... Just, you know, stop. Uh, he'll call it quits, not re-up, but he keeps doing it, and it's for the, the lesser schedule each time. So if the UFC expands their schedule, maybe it becomes uh, more of a possibility, but I can't imagine Daniel Cormier fights all that much longer. Guys, I want to apologize about this being in two videos. Now i got to stay up, edit, put these two videos together, get the audio going, all that stuff. Any questions you all have, send them to me at Sean Ross Sapp on Twitter. Head over to Fightful.com. We have exclusives every single day. 
wrestling, MMA, boxing. Taking it by storm, my friends. Let people know about these shows. Our UFC shows don't do as much traffic as our wrestling shows. I know because uh, MMA podcasting is kind of like, you know, it's it's in its infancy, and we're working to working to advance that. So let us know what you want to see, what kind of breakdowns you want to hear, things like that, who you want to see on these shows. Maybe I'll reach out to somebody. Uh, but follow us at Fightful Online. Go over to Instagram and follow us at Fightful Online. We're doing a T-shirt giveaway. So you can see there, uh, it ends in a couple days. You can find out how to win a free Fightful T-shirt. Thank you guys so much. Leave us a thumbs up. It really helps. If you're on iTunes, five-star reviews, those help out a lot. Subscribe. Turn your notifications on. Till next time, guys, thank you so much. Fightful.com, we are out. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off, my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.